For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So, uh, I did a little bit of a history dive uh, yeah, at the, toward yeah. the end of last week, just for fun. Why not? Okay, what'd you find? I found out, at least I believe, that uh, there's only one roller coaster that has ever existed in the city of Battle Creek. That's crazy. Just the one? I think. Um, I'm on a mission to learn more and okay. I'm put it out there for other people to uh, say, hey, if there was another one. Now, this doesn't count maybe some rides that they bring in, although I don't know that they bring in roller coasters, uh, like the thing coming up at Lakeview Square Mall yeah, in the parking lot yeah. or Field of Flight. You know, they'll have rides and, you know, but an actual wooden roller coaster uh, was built several or uh, almost, what, 115 years ago at an amusement park that uh, does no longer exist in Battle Creek. That's crazy. Uh, okay, when did this happen? So in late April of 1907, an exciting new addition was made to the Liberty Amusement Park, which was on Gogwak Lake. It was a wooden roller coaster said to have been built at a cost of $10,000. Wow. It was added to the park along the northern tip of the lake and opened to the public for rides uh, May 19th, 1907. That's crazy. Yeah, a lot of fun. And That's a lot of money, though, for a roller coaster during that time. Yeah, I don't know what the if you did the ratio of what it would cost in today's money. Um, and it wasn't that small. I mean, it wasn't a huge coaster like you would see at Cedar Point. But uh, for 1907, and of course, we have an old photo of this on the website, including some of the other information. And it's kind of impressive. Yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. Um so the roller coaster was quickly a new favorite. It joined some of the other popular places at the amusement park. Uh, they had a Ferris wheel there, a dance hall, and a casino. Uh, Liberty Amusement Park also had a clubhouse. They had bowling alleys, billiard tables, and a diner. Uh, they had a popular attraction, uh, a toboggan run called the Shoot the Shoot. <laughs> shoot the Shoot? Shoot the Shoot. I, I think it was a play on a, a different word. Oh, okay. <laughs> shoot the, Yeah. People could rent toboggans and ride a slide all the way down into the waters of Gogwak Lake. It sounds like a fun place. It does sound like fun. Uh, Liberty Amusement Park reportedly closed around 1933 during the Depression. Uh, we don't know if that's the exact reason, but I would guess maybe. Uh, said to have been located near where the Lakewood Inn and Birds Landing Marina was. I want to thank a couple of listeners for uh, helping me figure that out because I had a different location and I was corrected um, on one of the Facebook pages I put it in. Uh, we're not sure when the roller coaster was torn down or if it continued operating, although there are some people that say there's concrete still that remains in the water. Oh, that lake. would be interesting to go and kind of see where it would have been. And uh, you know, maybe we'll have to ask um, Christine from Willard Library about this sometime because a lot of the archives I found uh, were from Willard Library, including an article that appeared in the Battle Creek Daily Moon, a publication <laughs> that no longer exists. Uh, and it says, Roller Coaster to Start, new amusement furnished by Gogwak Resort Association at cost of $10,000. And you can read uh, their exact article uh, transcribed on the website. I've linked it there. 
Um, and so I put this article into some historical groups and I asked, uh, were there other communities around Michigan that had roller coasters at any point in time besides Muskegon? <laughs> of course, Michigan's in Vetcher, uh, we know that. And I got some good responses, so I may do a oh. follow-up about more roller coasters in Michigan. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. So uh, anyway, you can When's see... When's the last time you've been on a roller coaster? Oh, boy... Have I been on one since that trip to Cedar Point? In I don't think 2011? so. 2011, that could be the last time. Wow. Uh, yeah. We need to make it to an amusement park again soon. I don't know if my back can handle it. but Probably not. <laughs> but anyway, if you want to read more about this uh, roller coaster that we had in Battle Creek a long time ago, then you can find the article on our website or on the WBCK app. 95.3 WBCK. Uh, how you doing over there, Brandon? Pretty good, Lacey. Uh, but we just got some news about uh, a missing person. This just came down, and uh, you've been taking a look at it. So uh, why don't you tell us what's going on? Well, uh, Kalamazoo police are looking for a missing and endangered 63-year-old man. Um, he has dementia, and he walked away from his home uh, heading towards downtown Kalamazoo. Uh, his name is Curtis Ray, and he's believed to have walked away from his family home sometime between 11 o'clock last night and 3.45 this morning. Um, his home is located in the 600 block of Ada Street, and he was walking towards downtown Kalamazoo. He was last seen wearing a blue hoodie, black jogger-style pants, and black boots. We don't have a physical description, but we do have photos of him that you can view at 953wbck.com. And uh, police are asking that uh, you contact them, the Kalamazoo Department of Public Safety, as well as uh, the Kalamazoo Area Silent Observer Line if you happen to see him. Yeah, and we have very cold weather this morning. Wind chills in the single digits at times, so uh, not a time that somebody should be probably out walking. Uh, again, we don't have too much of a description of uh, his height and weight and things like that, but like you said, uh, there is a photo uh, at 953wbck.com. So, you know, and, and we've done these miles for uh, memory moments for a while now, and we do know that uh, those suffering from dementia in the evening, they can become kind of restless. Right. And so it's not uncommon um, for something like this to happen. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, it is a very chilly morning out there, and uh, we want to make sure that. Uh, he gets home safely. And so if uh, you want to go to our website, 953wbck.com, you can see a photo of uh, Curtis. And uh, if you happen to see him when you're out and about in your routine this morning, uh, make sure you get a hold of police. And like all of our missing persons cases, if we do get any more news, uh, we'll, we'll add it to the story. Or if he's located, we'll also pass that along as well. So we woke up to some shocking news Saturday morning. Yeah, it was sad. Uh, some of you who have listened often know that uh, we're both fans of uh, the band Foo Fighters. Absolutely. And I, they're, I think they are, could we safely call them your favorite band? Uh, you can't ever safely call anything my favorite anything because it's hard for me to, to do absolutes like that. Uh, they're among my favorite bands, uh, among my favorite music and some of their songs among my favorites. Absolutely. Of course, we're talking about the uh, the passing of the drummer who really, with Dave Grohl, um, the two of them, you know, Taylor Hawkins 
is the one who passed away are been, been tight. They've just been so tight. A lot of yeah, times the drummer you know, is like the, the last person <laughs> that you think of with the band. But what you're mistaken here is, is that Dave Grohl, also a drummer, well yeah. known for a drummer, in fact, in a very successful band, Nirvana, as the drummer, uh, wasn't until he, he went into building the Foo Fighters that he decided to try his hand at uh, playing the guitar. Yeah, that's true. Um, and Dave Grohl still likes to get behind the drums sometimes. Oh, yeah. I'm sure him and Taylor probably did drum duels sometimes at concerts. Or just Well, he would fun. call Taylor his uh, brother from another mother. They yeah. said the, the two had a, a very deep relationship and uh, friendship with each other and respect as musicians. So it was sometime late Friday, early Saturday. I mean, when I got up Saturday, there were all sorts of alerts on my phone from the different media sites uh, saying he was dead at the age of 50. And uh, they've learned more uh, about the cause of death. Uh, he had a variety of things in his system that they think contributed. He had been complaining of uh, some chest pains. They were in Columbia, I believe, getting mm-hmm. ready, just getting ready to do a concert. And that fact, night? Yeah, that night. It was announced just before they were going to take stage that they would not be performing. And then the news started to leak out pretty quickly. And I believe that some fans even um, held a little bit of a vigil um, at the arena. I'm pretty sure I read that. I read a lot of articles over the weekend about this, but uh, just heartbreaking. And it'll be interesting to see uh, where the... Well, yeah, they were supposed to be performing at the Grammys. In fact, uh, we saw commercials over the weekend still Mm -hmm. because it just happened late Friday night, early Saturday morning. Uh, promoting the fact the band was going to be on there, but they canceled uh, the rest of their tour. Yep, and uh, we decided on Saturday to watch this uh, new movie that they did uh, recently called Studio 666. Uh, I have an aversion (laughs) to that number, but uh, given the circumstances, I decided to get over my aversion. Uh, It is a a kind of a, a... horror movie but it's also a little on the goofy side as well but uh, not for kids no definitely not just for the the violence but there's plenty of bad language in it as well but just again it was another example of you can just see how much these guys like being around each other and like doing these things and uh, just a big loss for the world of music Uh, taylor hawkins the drummer from the foo fighters uh, passing away over the weekend just uh it's so sad. It is. It's always sad, and you know, I think a lot of people are like, "Well, you know, what's the big deal? Another celebrity." But I think it's because of the the personal relationships we form with this music and their music in particular, the way it's written and their lyrics. It, there really is a personal touch to it with with a lot of their songs. Yeah, I would go so far as to say as many of the songs that we enjoy and listen to that uh, you know touch us in various ways are based on personal things. Um, and the interesting thing is when it comes to music is it's open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can relate to it on a completely different level than maybe even the band or musician ever even intended. And the Foo Fighters are just one of those bands that just never lost a step. Every album that came out, uh, just always solid, always really good stuff. And uh, again, we'll we'll just have to see what they decide to do going forward. Yeah, um, your weather today, it's going to be a mix of sun and clouds. Winds from the northwest up to 15 miles per hour. Our high will be in the mid-30s today. Tonight, occasional clouds, light winds in the low in the upper teens. For tomorrow, partly sunny and breezy, rain by evening and a high in the mid-40s. Right now, it is sunny, it is 18 degrees, and it feels like 8. So, uh, 
But March is maple syrup season in Michigan, so that might be something to make you feel better uh, as we endure the chilly weather. Yeah, uh, it's a signal of spring, and it also uh, means it's time to get busy making some of that good old-fashioned maple syrup. And there is, I, I like the Michigan syrup. It, it's, it's You're different. not alone, because 82,000 gallons of syrup uh, are, are made in Michigan uh, in any given year. Wow. Michigan actually ranks fifth in the nation. Wow. I didn't know we were quite that high ranked for syrup. I do know there's other states that uh, people like to do this. Um, but yeah, so syrup production, just many aspects, one of many aspects that makes living in pure Michigan sh- uh, so unique from the Great Lakes to the sand dunes to Motown to ice fishing, but also syrup, which is what we'll talk about right now. So which trees produce syrup? Maple syrup is uh, only made in North America where the preferred syrup tree is uh, the sugar maple and it thrives here in Michigan. Yep, and uh, the tree, which is the preferred type for this uh, sap collection that you need, main fa- found mainly in the northeastern part of the country and south- southeastern parts of Canada, ranging from areas like Ontario to Quebec. Yep, the Michigan DNR says uh, black, red, and silver maple trees can also be tapped for syrup production, but the sugar maple has the highest sugar-to-water ratio, 40 to 1, which is why it's often used in commercial syrup production. So when do you do this? Sap and syrup production in Michigan uh, depend on the weather, like many other things, no surprise. Experts say the best time to tap the tree is at the start of spring or at least during the time when the night temperatures are below freezing, but the day temperatures are above freezing. Uh, The range of 20 to 40 degrees seems to be about perfect. We've kind of been in that range in the last week or so. Yeah, but the seesaw effect of warm days and cold nights causes pressure changes within the trees. The tree's internal pressure is greater than the external barometric barometric pressure. Uh, The sap will be pushed out of a hole that uh, you have drilled into the tree. So here comes the uh, part about how to tap. Uh, The Michigan DNR has certain guidelines when it comes to tapping a tree for syrup production. Uh, The tree has to be at least 10 inches in diameter before it can be tapped. And the sap should also be kept cool and and processed as soon as possible. You don't want it to go bad. Uh, One tree is expected to put out between 6 to 10 gallons of sap a season. But keep in mind, it takes about 40 gallons of sap to make just one gallon of syrup, a big extraction process. Yep, you all know uh, syrup making season is over when your trees start to bud again. And uh, you'll want to be sure to pull those taps out in time as the flow of sap will slow down. It'll turn yellowish color and get uh, quite bitter tasting and nobody wants that in their syrup. Nope. And if you have a sugar maple tree of your own, you can you try it at home yourself. Uh, we even have a video embedded on our website uh, in this article that uh, gives a good uh, step-by-step thing you can do. You can just watch it and it has instructions on how to turn your sap into a taste of pure Michigan syrup. Mm. So we've actually got to participate in making yeah. syrup. We haven't actually tapped a tree. At least I didn't. Were you there for the tapping of a tree? Um, I didn't help do it. Uh, I have a friend who uh, has made this a hobby over the last several years. I'm not sure if he's doing it this year or not. Uh, I haven't checked in with him too recently. But um, I did go with him uh, to a couple of places where he had permission, uh, some property. Uh, and I saw him uh, put the the thing into the tree and get the buckets ready and the hoses and all that kind of stuff. It's funny. uh, I used to drive around 
And I'd see those in the oh, spring, yes. and I didn't know what they were. I mean, well, I mean, when I was younger. I had some uh, family that had a, a large wooded lot on uh, their land, and so they would make some homemade syrup every year and bring it to us. And as you know, um, I'm kind of picky about my syrup. Like, <laughs> I, I kind of would prefer just the store-bought stuff that's not like real maple syrup. It's more sugary. But and... I have found that uh, when I get it from somebody that specifically made their own batch, that I really do enjoy that. Yeah, and this friend we're talking about, he uh, was nice enough to give us uh, some of yeah. his uh, of what he was able to put together. So yeah, uh, the tea tr- uh, tree tapping process, I got to see how that worked. And then uh, I was over at his home a couple of nights when he was actually going through the extraction process. Yes. And that's when I was like, wow. It's a lot of work. It uh, is. To, to actually the cooking, the processing of the actual sap uh, and the changeover to maple syrup is quite messy, uh, very time consuming. Um, if you have a setup to where you could boil it outdoors, I would highly recommend that. Yeah, because he had to have all the windows open uh, because it puts out a lot into the it air. Do, it does. And, and as you can imagine, that sap uh, moisture going up into the air sticks to everything. Right, exactly. So uh, if you have a good setup outdoors, that's ideal. Um, but if you have to, you can do it in the kitchen. But just keep in mind, you're going to want to uh, have some windows open or something like that. Um, and so, yeah, then, you know, he, you just over and over and over extract, and then you got to put it in and extract more and put it back. I mean, the process is repeated, I don't know, a dozen times, maybe, maybe even more. Hours. Yeah. yeah it hours takes hours. Um, but then, yeah, eventually you get it all whittled down and you can fill up like a mason jar. And that's what he did. I don't remember how many he got that year. Uh, it was enough to give us some. So he must <laughs> Had plenty. and uh, I'll tell you, it was really good because we used some of that to make some beef jerky. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you think about pancakes and waffles and breakfast foods, but we took a jerky recipe and uh, used the syrup as uh, part of the... The, the marinade and the glaze. And boy, that was delicious. Yeah, got that uh, sweet, savory <laughs> flavor profile going. So um, I don't know. I It's it's a hobby. I could see myself enjoying uh, a little bit. But I have a feeling I would get a little impatient with that extraction process. I'd probably well, be Well, that doesn't like, sound oh. like you, Mr. Mr. Patience. <laughs> this is too tedious. Um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, syrup season is upon us. You know, another thing we're going to be talking about probably in the next few weeks. Morels. Morel mushrooms. Uh, Ron Rademacher. If it gets warm enough. Yeah. Was it Ron Rademacher last yes. week was talking to us a little bit about yep. the upcoming morel season? Yep. That was uh, the good news for the, the coating of snow that we keep getting. <laughs> uh, the last, uh, we had it Friday morning and then again Saturday morning. But uh, all that moisture in turn is going to be great for producing morels when it starts to warm up. And the same friend, the one that makes the maple syrup. Uh, he's an avid morel mushroom hunter, and he's very, very good at it. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to getting out with him on some warm days and uh, finding some morels, too. Uh, trying to think spring on this chilly morning, Lacey. <laughs> yeah, I could use some more of that as well. I cannot wait uh, to feel warm sunshine on my face and my skin. Just hasn't been enough of that yet so far this spring. Nope, and we'll be waiting for more, too. Um, in fact, we'll check that forecast coming up with Lacey in just a few moments. Move yourself, 
95.3 WBCK. How you doing over there, Brandon? I'm pretty good, Lacey. Staying warm? Staying warm. I'm not. <laughs> I am cold right now. I am freezing. Is it so cold outside that you kind of feel like that feeling is on the inside too? That could be. Like this <laughs> might be one of those days where after we get home tonight, I might need to soak in a hot, in the hot tub. Hey, if that's what you got to do, that's gotta, good. Yeah, I think I might need to. So, uh, so the totals are in. Yeah. <laughs> for the marijuana revenue. Uh, oh. $1 million to Battle Creek and Kalamazoo combined. I believe it's combined. Yes. Uh, the city of Battle Creek will get to cash in on those sales being distributed by the Michigan Department of Treasury. Uh, the Treasury will distribute over $42 million among 163 municipalities and counties as part of the Michigan Regulation and Taxation of Marijuana Act. You know, uh, a lot of these communities are receiving very substantial payments to beef up their budgets for the current year. And that's uh, some very welcome news, even given to, that it's through marijuana sales. But, you know, at least they're legal marijuana sales. Yeah. And this was one of the reasons that it was put on the ballot was uh, so that it could be taxed. Uh, of course, we all know before that, well, we had medical marijuana for a few years. But before that, um, a lot of people were making money selling it and distributing it illegally, and uh, none of that money was taxed. That's right. Uh, this, so we're going to go through uh, some of the area communities. So the city of Allegan has one license there. Uh, they're getting over $56,000 just for that one licensed facility. Wow. And then Allegan County as a whole, uh, separate from the city of Allegan, five licenses in other areas, $282,000, just over Two hundred eighty-two thousand. And Bangor, they have two licenses. A hundred over a hundred and twelve thousand dollars going there. Yep, Bangor Township six hundred seventy-seven thousand dollars, about with twelve licenses. And Barry County, one license again, over fifty-six thousand dollars. And uh, Battle Creek, five hundred thousand, just over five hundred thousand uh, dollars, with the nine licenses in the Serial City. In Calhoun County, there's over 21 licensed facilities, and they're getting over a million dollars. Well, Coldwater uh, bringing in $338,000 with six licenses there. Uh, the city of Kalamazoo has 10 licensed facilities and getting over $564,000. Yep. And then Kalamazoo Township, they have four licenses, $225,000. And uh, finally, uh, Kalamazoo County. Uh, they're getting over a million dollars for 19 licensed facilities. And in Portage, um, they have five licensed facilities and they're getting uh, $282,000. All right. So my question is, uh, who did their part to help? <laughs> <laughs> Give us a call. <laughs> uh, I'm going to guess they're unable to talk. If it uh, was all one person, especially, uh, <laughs> that person's in a lot of trouble. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but those... Uh, licenses my goodness there's so many we've talked about how these you know you know i honestly seeing it broke down like this there are less than i thought they were for some of these communities where it seems like every day you're hearing about new uh legal recreational marijuana facilities opening up um but uh, the actual number of these facilities is much lower than really? what it seemed like, yeah. Oh, so for battle, the city of Battle Creek has nine, and then if yeah. you add the other twenty-one, well, you know what's funny is that if whenever somebody on uh, Facebook is asking what's opening up, <laughs> it's always either you know the joke is always that somebody's going to say it's a marijuana facility or it's a dollar store. 
Yeah, or Dollar General in particular. Yeah, I don't think it's. Uh, I think that's an inaccurate. <laughs> as funny as it is, it's an, an inaccurate statement uh, when you actually see how many licensed facilities there actually are. I think the funniest one that comes to mind was a month or two ago and there was some work being done inside one of the Battle Creek Walmart stores. Oh yeah, that they were opening up a Dollar General <laughs> in, in the Battle Creek Walmart, which was a joke. And people, a funny joke at that. And people joked, oh, maybe it'll be a dispensary too. Um, it does seem to be the, the biggest thing. Um, anyway, so yeah, a lot of money coming to communities in Michigan. Those are just the ones we mentioned, of course, in our neck of the woods in southwest Michigan. But, um, well, it's, it's one of those things that's going to kind of change what things are like in the state of Michigan. Um, it's, it's a new landscape. And, of course, we've also been talking about the biggest one in the entire state is going to be built in Van Buren County. They're already yeah. working on it. In Lawrence? I think that's right. Yeah, it's in Lawrence. And uh, it's going to be a little while before that one opens just because it is going to be so massive. Um, but it, it's a, it's, I feel like the state in general has made a good adjustment to this. Um, I, I could definitely see, especially after how the last couple of years have gone, um, these funds are definitely going to help some of these communities, you know, where a lot of businesses were, you know, forced to close their doors because they couldn't make it through the pandemic or even after making it through the pandemic, just weren't able to, to do business at a level that made a lot of sense. So um, while we may not all agree on whether, marijuana should be legal, I think we can all agree that the the money that it's uh, raising for communities in our state are definitely going to be put to good use. And uh, another positive that's come out of it, like we said, is uh, everything's on the up and up with this. It's being taxed. It's being regulated. Um, you know, there's no risk when you go to these places of getting something that's laced with something else because you're getting it from people that you don't well, know. You know, you are still taking a chance. I mean, we've seen numerous uh, recalls or over the last couple of years since it's been legalized, whether it was because a uh, product was used on it that shouldn't have been used on it, or perhaps there was mold in it or higher concentrations than uh, what was labeled on the package. Um, so you, you still have to be care cautious and uh, pay attention to what you're doing. Yep. But again, you know, that's the same stuff that we sometimes deal with, with food and other beverage, you know, items and things like that too. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Yep. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with a look at your news. What? Getting shot by an Orbeez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is uh, something we had in the news last week and yeah. it's another one of those new viral Social media. TikTok Who are the people things? thinking these things up that are telling our children Very to go do stupid people. stuff <laughs> and uh, get them in trouble, hurt other people, cause destruction and chaos? I mean, come on, setting buildings on fire, that's an actual challenge. Like what happened to the good old days where they were trying to chew on Tide Pods yeah. and just making themselves ill? <laughs> The good old days of Tide Pods. That's it's that's what it's come to. That's what it's come <laughs> Those to. Those are the good old Those days. Those are the good old days. The good old days where you just hurt yourself a little bit. So yeah. It's called now the, we're hurting others and causing destruction. It's called the Orbeez Challenge, not Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get it mixed up. Uh, the Marshall Police Department actually put out this report saying they had received reports of residents being the victim of the challenge. If you're unfamiliar... <laughs> This is the part where I'm like, okay, so now we're going to tell you how to do it. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I mean, you need to be familiar with what it is. Exactly. Because if you become a victim of it, you can be like, I'm one of them stupid kids in the area just tried to shoot me with an Orbeez. Right. So it's, again, I, a lot of times we do think like, gosh, you know, when these things come along, we don't want to say, all right, 
So here's what it is, and here's how people do we're, it. But, we're not telling people how to attach a skimmer to, uh, you know, a card reader at the gas pump. You right. know, we're but, not doing that. But we have to talk about it when it happens. Right, but we're still not telling you how to do it. So this is this is you know this is kind of uh, I would hope people just wouldn't do this, but obviously some people are. So basically, they take these toy guns and instead of using you know the little p- plastic pellets or whatever, they put these water beads, and that's what or bees is called. And then the concept is that you just fire those at some random people, and and they can injure it. It's probably not going to kill you. It's not like getting shot with a regular gun, but you know it's enough to cause some pain. Uh, you never know. Um, these small beads actually are meant to be placed in water where they grow in size. So right. they're all compact and hard, and you're shooting them out at, you know, at somebody. That's going to hurt. Yep, and this viral challenge, uh, along with Marshall and other parts of Michigan, it's happening Across Florida, the Oklahoma, yeah. There was a television reporter that was shot while they were doing a report on TV, apparently. Um, that was out of state somewhere. So uh, anyway, the authorities want people to know anyone caught doing this is going to face consequences. This isn't just an innocent little prank. Nope, it is not. In fact, uh, police in Dearborn made two arrests thanks from help from the public. So if somebody's doing it, uh, you, you need to contact the authorities in your local area and uh, hopefully they can deal with it and apprehend the people responsible because it isn't a joke. No, This is not. assault. You, yep. could, you, could, uh, you could probably blind somebody too if one of those hit somebody in the eye. Mm-hmm. Um, you never know what kind of health condition somebody could have. You could cause such a fright that uh, perhaps it would cause a heart condition, something to that effect. I mean, it sounds simple and innocent enough, but it's not funny. Yep, and there was a specific incident in Marshall where the police there are looking for a vehicle. Somebody did one of these, uh, fired the projectile from a moving vehicle described as a silver Kia with front end damage. So if there's anyone who has clues to report on that one, you can call Marshall Police or Marshall Silent Observer. And uh, you can read more about this on our website at 953wbck.com. Um, just look for the article that says Police and Marshall Born Pedestrians of a New Orbeez Challenge. 95.3 WBCK and joining us now uh, for our Miles for Memory moment is Steve Frisbee. How are you doing today, Steve? Good. It's uh, beautiful sunshine out here. I wish it was warm, though. <laughs> you know, I couldn't agree more with you right now. Uh, it is very deceptively sunny looking outside until you step out there and you're like, mm, it feels like eight degrees. And yeah, I- it does. And I want to apologize on behalf of all Michigan Wolverines fans uh, for something that you brought to my attention. Uh, the Wolverine hockey team advancing to the Frozen Four. There was just too much sports this weekend to keep track of. Yeah, you know, us, us Michigan fans are happy. Michigan State fans didn't have anything to do, so we were really busy this weekend. <laughs> all right, well, thanks for joining us this morning. And, uh, of course, uh, we do these every week, and uh, we want to get into today's topic. Yes, uh, yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit real quick, though, because you do you have your hands in a lot of different areas, uh, very involved with helping our communities. Um, do you want to share some of your titles with us, Steve? Uh, well, I'm the vice president of Life Care Ambulance. I'm the county commissioner and chair of the board of commission. Um, man, a part of Miles for Memories and a part of uh, the Red, White, and Blue Foundation. So I stay busy. You do stay busy, and uh, it is very much appreciated. And today, of course, you're joining us for Miles for Memory. Um, to adopt yeah. The topic for today, uh, lifting and moving your loved one. Now, it's something that uh, not everyone probably considers ahead of time. 
Yeah, it, it, and it's uh, easier today to do um, and with people staying at, trying to stay at home longer. Um, you just have to have the right tools and the right smarts. And uh, first thing you got to do is recognize what your abilities are as the caregiver and what they're not. And that's the most important part is what they're not. If you can't move a patient by yourself or lift somebody by yourself, uh, then you need to start thinking about what kind of tools do it, can I get and acquire uh, to help me move them. So a uh, couple of things, and I, w- I really want to stress is that dementia patients' abilities change rapidly. So last year I was responded to a friend's house. Uh, she told me that her father suddenly couldn't walk. I spent about three or four minutes talking with him, got him to stand up out of his chair and walk across the room with me. Um, so they, they sometimes convince themselves that they can't walk or their abilities change. So sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's just a memory loss. They think they can't move. So just be ready that when you are moving somebody, their abilities can change pretty quick. Uh, trip and slip hazards are one of the things I want to focus on. And that is looking for areas where the patient can trip or slip. Um, so keeping the floor clean, uh, rugs are traditionally dangerous, uh, especially if they're not secured to the floor. And then when you're moving a dementia patient, the, the other important piece is having good uh, snug fitting footwear on. So you don't want them barefoot. You don't want them stocking feet. That can get slippery at times, especially on tile. Um, so just uh, think about how you're going to move them and then encourage the dementia patient to get acclimated. So if they're laying down, don't just try to get out of bed. Go to a sitting position and then to an upright standing position uh, if, you, if you can encourage them to do that. So the other thing you can look at it early on in dementia helping um, is uh, the lift chairs that go from a sitting position to help them stand up. Uh, there's power lifts that go from a sitting position and bring uh, a patient to a standing position so you can position uh, them around the room, or you could uh, put a wheelchair behind them then and sit them in that, or a walker. Um, there's all kinds of mechanized uh, pieces of equipment that can help you at home. So I just I think it's important that people understand their abilities and their capabilities and, and what they're limited to so people don't get hurt. Absolutely. Um, some great advice in there. Uh, anything else you would like to add? Nope. I think that that'll help. And, you know, even a small thing like a gate belt, you'll have to learn how to use it. But it's just a belt that goes around a patient and help. you can help steady them from behind or from the side. So um, those are a great tool when people feel unsteady on their own feet. Absolutely. All right, Steve Frisbee, uh, thank you so much for joining us for our Miles from Memory moment. And uh, if you have uh, more questions about this and uh, other things that we've spoken about on here, you can go to milesformemory.org to get more information. Thank you so much for real joining quick, us this morning. Oh, go ahead. Real quick, the, the gentleman in Kalamazoo that walked away this morning, the dementia patient, uh, we have a program here that's available in Calhoun County that's an ID bracelet. We also have what's called the Nugget. So if that gentleman would have had a Nugget on, Uh, The family could have traced him to where he's at using their own phone uh, with GIS. So we have that capability here in Calhoun County and encourage folks that have dementia patients in their home to get them registered. 
just go to milespermemories.org and you can find all that information. Very important to pass that along. Thank you, Steve. You bet. Have a great day. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And the Battle Creek forecast, a mix of sun and clouds for today with northwest winds at around 10 to 15 miles an hour. Highs will be in the mid-30s. Occasional clouds tonight, light winds, lows in the upper teens, partly sunny and breezy for Tuesday. Rain possible by nighttime, and we will have a high in the mid-40s tomorrow. Currently sunny, 18, feels like 10. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 95.3 WBCK. Uh, some good news that we can talk about now. Yeah, finally, good news. I know. <laughs> uh, I love some good news. Um, a gentleman that uh, was reported missing this morning from Kalamazoo that suffers from dementia has been located in his home and is safe now. Oh, that's very good to hear. We were just uh, talking about that as we were wrapping up the Miles for Memory and a very good advice that Steve had uh, at the end there of a way that uh, can make these situations a lot easier uh, to solve. Absolutely. Um Definitely worth looking into if you've got a loved one that suffers from memory loss or dementia. It's a special bracelet that's got like a GPS and uh, allows them to be located. Well, not just that. Uh, It's got information on the outside that uh, can help you identify somebody quickly if perhaps they're nonverbal or unable to communicate who they are. So it's a great option. Well, good to hear that. Uh, Just, gosh, it was about an hour ago, I think we first put that out, maybe even less. So, uh, some fantastic news, absolutely. Um, So, did you know Michigan has a a state drink, a signature state drink? Um, I didn't know that there was an official one, but apparently we do. Yeah. Um, I've never had it before. I'd never heard of it before uh, reading this article that we have up on our website this morning. Uh, Have you had a Hummer? It's a Michigan signature drink. I've never had the, uh, the drink called the Hummer. No. Which is crazy uh, that it would be like a mixed drink like this because uh, our state is filled with tons of great wineries, uh, craft breweries, distilleries, um, all kinds of wonderful stuff. Uh, But this drink, uh, you know, um, it's kind of, uh, I've never heard of it before. No, I haven't either. Apparently it was created by a man named Jerome Adams about 50 years ago at the Bayview Yacht Club on the Detroit River. Perhaps maybe this is one of those Southeast Michigan things that just hasn't made it into, into my uh, vernacular, I guess. Uh, he says when he invented the drink, he never thought it was going to be big. After mixing the drinks for some fellow staff at the Bayview in 1968, um, people wanted to try it. And after downing a few of Adam's new drinks, Jacoby gave his two cents on the cocktail. And he said, you know what? Uh, after you have two of these things, it kind of makes you want to hum. And that's where the name came from. And it looks absolutely delicious. 
Um, it kind of has a coffee look to it, uh, but with some chocolate shavings on top, a little cream there. Oh, that looks yummy. Yeah. I couldn't imagine trying to drink it uh, this morning, <laughs> though. That's for sure. No. So the. Not not a mimosa type of drink, no. <laughs> uh, if you're curious on how to make Jerome Adams the Hummer, uh, it contains one and a half ounces of rum, uh, one and a half ounces of Kahlua, two scoops of vanilla ice cream, a couple of ice cubes. Uh, then you want to blend it up and serve it in a seven and a half ounce rocks glass. All right. So there you go. You can try Michigan's uh, signature drink today. Uh, maybe if you're going to do a little bit of five o'clock action today. <laughs> 95.3 WBCK. We're going to take a quick look at our All Outdoors update. We'll be right back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.